we're somewhere about halfway through the allotted period for this uh, retreat <clears throat> and if you've been with this as many of you have been then there's a process that occurs as the just the sense restraint and listening to Dhamma and uh, doing these practices is a deepening naturally all kinds of um, clogged stuff starts to release and come up it's a great time <laughs> uh, something in a way it's sometimes it's it's uh, can be uh, disturbing uh, mm. But uh, things have to release, so they're just stuff. The chitta is working things out somehow in the background, and our our task is to steward that. You can't really, you know, predict or or determine or say it should be this way, it should be that way. Now do this, now do that. You just kind of what you're doing is is just keep checking in and practicing. Sati, mindfulness, and keeping your intentions clear. That's what you can do. And the jitta starts to respond to that kind of approach. And there's a backlog of stuff. It needs to shake itself out of it. It's how to steward, how to accommodate that. Whereby... You know, we you don't um, close it down, but you don't adopt. You let this material move on. Mm-hmm. It's very much a, it's a matter of most fundamental flood, which is uh, forming a person out of the process. Mm-hmm. Forming a person out of a process. Wants to be a person who's finished the process. Wants to be a person who's okay. Wants to be a person who's knows what's going on. Wants to be a person who feels this will arrive at a good place. Um, yeah, yeah. Keep that person in the background, non intrusive. Trust the puja and trust uh, the Dhamma. Loving presence, stability, stabilizing what can be stabilized, staying open to material that you don't really understand or sometimes you do understand. Oh, that, you know, I thought that was past. This requires uh, a lot of equanimity. But also don't forget the, you know, daily recollection of mudita, appreciation that you're lessening your burdens rather than increasing them. You're lessening the delusion rather than increasing it. You're lessening the congestions rather than increasing it. And who knows, that's the right thing to do. It finishes when it's, it's over when it's over. You know? They say, you know, when you're over to the fat lady sings, you think it's quite, quite, 
quite a lot of singing needs to happen yet. <laughs> but um, we continue. Some questions here. Actually, uh, it's interesting though, people are using different terminology. Often, what's occurring is in a way, uh, there's, a, there's a certain logic about retreat whereby, you know, people who are a thousand miles apart are hitting the same kind of material because that's the nature of the process. It's not located in space or time. You do these practices. And by day three or day four, then these things happen. And particularly as we're doing talking about energetic shifts, there's a few questions about shifts of energy and the bodily effects of that. Um, so I'll try to summarise. Can you say something about verbal versus non-verbal insights? I sometimes have the feeling of energetic shifts and maybe pre-verbal experiences that are touched into during meditation. Is it helpful to try to bring these to a verbal level, to kind of bring the shift or the insight to light? Or is it just stay with the energetic feeling, let it work through, how to work with these deep patterns? Well, it seems to me that much of the process is non-verbal. And... Um, you know, you have to be a Buddha to be able to, to get language around all this stuff. Um, to, to be able to translate that into into language. Um, and a lot of time he didn't even bother, you know, because in a way, so what? The main thing is the shift happens, and it's not, it's how you steward it, how you stay present with that, how you, it's the how you do rather than what happens, you know, it's how you do it. Um, and the shifts are, are, real shifts are non-verbal, because they are shifts in, in it's a transformation we're going through. It's a transformation of, of fundamental structure. It's not like um, an analysis, um, but it's a transformation of energetic structure when an energy system has been compressed or distorted by, you know, then uh, when you start to release it, then that's what happens. These are, uh, and a good part of what you've become, our personality or our personhood is based upon, it's a foundation that, that underlying energetic patterns. That's the foundation. Right. Yeah. And based upon that, that foundation, certain psychologies arise to use that platform. You know. So the energetic foundation, it's, it's not, you know, let's say uh, um, pressurized, right? Uh, compensating for an imbalance. So there's an imbalance, you know, energetic imbalance. By and large, people in general are more, are, their receptivity is much less than their, their intentionality. In other words, they're more active than receptive. So there's also an, an imbalance because the receptive is not just passive, 
it's an actual energy that's able to to stay steady and absorb what's going on and, and you know listen to it moderate it and um, in particularly in pressurized situations pressurized societies that receptivity is considerably impaired because it's not open receptivity you have to get things done and what you feel about it is sort of secondary and how you can that's all that is secondary so the receptivity is is limited so there's an imbalance which fundamentally so because of that imbalance then certain you know we naturally we have intention and action that's part of our lives but it should be the action and then the pool discharge finish that breathe out how was that you know it's Stay present, let the thing flow through, let your energy settle again. And uh, I would estimate that uh, it take, you know, if, you, if it takes you five seconds to get your energy up, it takes it about 25 seconds for it to, to release. <laughs> the discharge is slow, you know, if it, because everything, depending on how violent your, your arousal has been, we're often into real push, propulsion. So there's an enormous voltage shift down the system. Now, if you're operating at a really moderate rate, then it wouldn't take so much time to discharge because you're not overcharging the system. In high-pressure situations, high-performance situations, uh, where the sense of centre is lost or not, not interested in, the main thing is get things done, uh, get on with it, be good and so forth you know it's all about performance and presentation and or to a large extent if that's unbalanced receptivity is impaired and you're going at a high pace you know whereby the ability to discharge is is limited so you get a bunged up system that's kind of tilted or congested now that then becomes the foundation for the person the person then is someone who's always concerned about doing the right thing and making sure everybody's okay and get on with the next thing and you know and and that's the way they work and they think that that is their truth they're, they're not that is their truth uh, they're not pretending that's how they feel that's how they're structured and there are other things you know people get structured into um, such an absence of real loving acceptance that um, there's a fake independence a sense of belonging to a mutuality that will support and help and listen and be that sense is very limited you might have one friend maybe the person is structured to be independent it sounds like a good idea but it's um, it's just not true uh, it's not true. Uh, yeah. Everyone affects everyone else, right? Everyone affects each other. You know, an independent person is still being affected by other people and affecting them. So that means we're not independent. We may be semi-autonomous, but we're in, always in some kind of responsive scenario. We're being affected by each other. If you want to get anything done, you've got to have other people help you do it. 
But then what the independence idea masks is a, is a fundamental sense of, of worthlessness. If, if it's fake independence, it means fundamentally what you are in a relaxed, restful, open state is not good enough. So you've got to keep doing stuff to prove you're okay. You can't imagine the world could lift you up for free. <laughs> You can't imagine being kind of loved just because of being human. You've got to do something. So the person works on that. That's where they're built. Um, and they can get quite good at it. You know, quite impressive, quite good at it. But there's a sense of lack of worth is, is, is following them, like a shadow. Like a shadow. So if you stop, shadow catches up in the inner critic. So some persons, if you're in extremely dysfunctional situations, you know, you get by by sort of living apologetically, you know, excuse me for existing. You don't put me into it. So, it, you know, relationships fail either because there's too much of me in it Oh, there's not enough of me in it, I, you know. You've got to be able to put an, an adequate amount of, of meanness into to form a we, right? It's not just going, just being, well, whatever, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> That's an abasement. It's not a relationship. <laughs> I just go along with what you do. No, you can say, well, yeah, I mean, this the way it is for me. The way people, we can work it out. But, you know, again, when when there's a kind of unloving or uncooperative scenarios that one arises within, then you get, um, this becomes a personal trait. And people think, oh, it's great, she's so easy to get on with. Because she's never there, that's why. <laughs> Not really. And the person and themselves who's doing that is, just feels, uh, you know, still feels hostility which they only know how to compensate by constantly ducking I mean you could go through this and, and do various ways and just trying to give out some examples maybe a bit crude examples but tendencies that perhaps we all have to a degree and you see in some people when you get to know them you think oh wow she just doesn't realise how, how, how wonderful she is clearly you know, uh, you know, they're still complaining about themselves or criticizing themselves or not being able to relax. And uh, they're not, it's just the structure of the person. So, how does that happen? It's not like a person learns it all in their head. The energies are not allowed to expand into the fullness of presence and stability and openness because of various, you name it, family, social, cultural, you know, racism, mentioning, talking about that earlier, these kind of things whereby you're not allowed to expand into the fullness. It's not safe. You get accused or you feel... So, so therefore the person is built on an energetic model that's kind of very tight. Uh, and and you know, there is distortions.
then you're not trying to do it. That's that's the energetic basis. And then all the various ways in which they start to orient around that. The person creates their world. In other words, once you're in that particular shape, you see things that conform to that, that follow that. You you know, you, it distorts your, your awareness. You see pressure everywhere, right? Because you're a pressure person. You're standing on a pressurized platform, so everything you see reminds you of pressure. So, you know, a pressurized person, you say, oh, it'd be nice to, okay, okay I'll get it done. No, no, it's just no, no pressure. Don't know what, you know, pressurized person sees, sees things in like that. As they say, if you want something done, find someone who's busy, because the busy person is the one who's been established on being busy, because they take on a lot of responsibility, which another person would claim wouldn't, you know. And you see this in communities, certainly I live in community monasteries, you know, and you see some people are just quite, quite able to look at something that's going wrong and go, hmm, walk past. <laughs> Just, oh, that's a problem, you know, that's difficult. Oh, so, but other people, oh my goodness, I've got to go and fix it. Yeah. And you witness this. And people who have uh, a considerable amount of power and attention going into getting things absolutely right, and other people just, uh, personality structure is different. So that sits on an energetic basis. And uh, the kind of, rather dire truth of the matter is that that person will keep orienting and generating a world that can, that supports them. You know, psychologies, and they'll, they'll notice the perceptions they pick up, their mind sees, their mind picks up perceptions that conform to where they're coming from. Right? So you can't see it in your own feedback loop. This is instant karma. This is karma. And of course, there could be, you know, people are very open, stable, beautiful people, and they see things in a different way. And that, that's in that's their 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 realm, their world. This is karma. This is the karmic cycle. You're. you're particularly where you're coming from determines what you'll notice and determines how you respond to it so you constantly recreate yourself in the same mold and there's an energy that does that yeah. a sankara attention intention now what we're doing in transformation work is not saying okay we're going to meditate so this is a pressurized meditation with pressurized people, although that's what happens, of course. If you're a pressurized person, you tend to right, got to meditate, got to get it right. What's the, where's the book, where's the manual? Let's get this going. Well, no, not really. I know what you mean, but that's that's the wrong tone. The tone here is make an effort with friendliness. You know, make yourself comfortable. Um, develop loving kindness, or be with. Oh right, I've got to develop loving kindness. Now I'm not a very kind person. Because I did this and that and the other, and I got a nasty temper. So how do I develop loving kindness? Since I'm not a kind person, and you go, um, yeah, 
I see what you mean. We're doing it again. <laughs> so everything becomes another obligation. <laughs> so this is about like free yourself from obligation. Oh, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, everything's so you, you really you see the, the the challenge of that. But you know, if we work on on the energetics of it then you can bypass some of this psychological loop because uh, you you know rather so you just feel okay feel the pressure how is that in your body how does your body do with that mm -hmm. can you feel your whole body no. can you feel the space around your body is it Feel the space around your body and the ground beneath you. Oh, suddenly things start shifting. Things start shifting because the energy has finally found a place out that gets out of the person. You know, the energy finds an avenue outside of the person pack right so the ground the earth the space the openness the person doesn't but the body can first if it was very confused what i'm supposed to do just just wait but the body is not a person the body's not a person it's energies no supported space there's no pressure I don't have to anything there's presence and when that arrives touching into that all the stuff that's contained in the person pack starts to oh you know the foundation is being challenged you like or, or the the uh, you know the, the force in the imbalance is, is acknowledged and we're tipping we're coming to a new balance and when you've been like that for 35 years and suddenly things go like that there's a lot of shaking going on and stuff happens uh, so and some of that stuff will be somatic it's suddenly everything whoa feel really tired or really energized or something's happening in my shoulder or my face is going weird like, you know, I mean and you think what on earth is going on uh, <laughs> you know well what's going on is an energetic meltdown uh, to uh, but if we maintain you know stable open open stable presence just even awareness and non-proliferation don't make a person out of it uh, that's a, that's a jargon term don't make a person out of it I mean be the allowing of that can you allow that just a little for a little bit more can you allow that and feel the ground can you allow that and stay in your body can you allow that and feel the space can you allow that and not have an answer? 
and not have a reason. Can you allow that? Do the best you can. If you can't, there'll be another time. Because once the process, once something has started recognizing, hey, this is out of kilter, this is out of kilter, and you've got some intuitive sense of that, sooner or later, the jitter's going to say, hey, come on, you know. Because uh, once you've known you're out of balance and you felt it, something that jitter searches for stability. Once it knows that's a fake stability, it never really wants to, can't go into it with the same ignorance. And ignorance is the pattern that keeps us tipping over and over again into our old pattern. This is real. This is true. This is what I am. This is what I must be. This is the way it is. You know, it keeps tipping us the energy over into the same old pattern with a few bits of decoration on it. You know, it doesn't, it, it disconnects. It doesn't want, it's the force, the flood that does not want truth. So truth, the Buddha said it right, you know. Truth, right, you have to move through suffering. And some of the suffering is just physical discomfort, but the big, the major suffering is the sense of self and what that entails. And, uh, you know, say, but this kind of suffering leads to the end of it. This kind of disorientation is leading to the end of it. Maintain open presence. Steward it like you're looking after uh, a child, an invalid, a baby. Uh, Steward it with care. So, you know, and then you get into, why is my face going all weird and crunched up? And why am I crying? I don't know. Energy knows what it's doing. Um, but these are, the energies in the body are sort of twisting and moving around as, as you go through that. Um, I don't know why it's doing it, but I know it does. Um, and it's not, you know, if I knew why, it still wouldn't do you any good. Because it's not why, it's what you do about it. And essentially you just, <laughs> I've said it, right? But keep connecting. Don't So don't go into these distorted patterns because when you go into that, you put more energy in to a place that's actually trying to release energy. So just step back. Find a place you can step back. And so I'm suggesting the entirety of the body means you're not dissociated, not spaced out. You're definitely there. But instead of being up here in this area that's going strange, that's a percentage, but there's also a lot of some more grounded stuff. And if there isn't any grounded stuff, then you do need to move and change. You shouldn't be flopping around ungrounded. 
you've got to have a, a, some sort of connection, however simple it is, walking, standing, sitting, you know, that's, that's, that's you know, that's solid, that's, you know, or even companionship. So, to, to, so you don't just become this kind of um, energetic shift, you're able to be aware of it. Even so, again, you can even talk to it. When I talk to it, I mean, saying, how is this? How is this? And what does it feel like? Is it like liquid, like fire? What's the emotional tone with it? Sometimes there's the emotional tone of grief or tiredness, fatigue or anger, you know. And just keep not making, these are just, don't make a person out of them. These are all energies, the energies as it twists and distorts, moves around, it can bring up kinds of emotional stuff. And you might very well have a verbal, oh, that's that. That reminds me of something that happened 10 years ago. That, ah, then you get, maybe you do get a verbal um, hint. Some of it you don't, some of you just get a vague sense, oh, this is to do with loss or uh, loss or fear or anxiety or not being allowed, you know, you get an, an emotional colouring of that tonalities. Mm. 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 The energy knows what it's doing, but do make sure your energy has some connection to a healthy resource, such as the ground, literally the earth beneath you, space around you, the Buddha, and uh, if, you, if possible, a spiritual friend. You can say you can just be there, offering presence, so that someone can listen. Even being able to let be listened to, um, that that has a healthy effect. It tends to you know, once you get help to you know get out of being the independent person, um, which is pretty. Uh, uh, independent persons, not good news. <laughs> so I've tried to sort of collect a few of these under that heading, because naturally this this stuff is rather unusual. Uh, and if it, maybe if it does seem too intense, just start thinking. That will close everything down. <laughs> Read a book. It really takes you takes you to another level. You see, you go because now you're in the very deeply embodied level. But so if you if it's too difficult, then you know start read a book or go up into the more abstract level. Take you out of it. You know. So talking helps. Read. You know. To, to moderate pressure, pressure, body works helpful. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So some other points. Question: the distinction between flood and outflow. 
In Pali language, these are Oga, is flood, and outflow is Asawa. And I think they're synonyms, they're synonyms to describing a particular experience. So uh, Asava is to do with kind of a flow uh, that's infection, infection. So it has a slightly corrupted, poisoned tonality to it. Olga is the rushing quality. You know, they didn't come with labels on them. The Buddha's just putting some labels on them. Um, you know, all language is metaphorical. You know, direct experience is not, lang is not linguistic. Experience has no words to it. So all, all language is metaphor. And so he's just using kind of a couple of metaphors to describe the same ex experience. That's the way I see it. Um, these are, once again, Avijja, ignorance, um, sensuality, karma, um, becoming, um, which means the continuing identity, the movement towards an identity, having a fixed identity that persists through time. This, this flood. And sometimes another one is added to that called ditti opinions and views. Um, so generally the way this manifests is you know that when these kind of floods or asava flow up you get things are rolling on and then perceptions, feelings and stuff like that and the chitta's getting involved in it. This is this is a rija. And then becoming a person, oh I am this, I'm feeling this, or I or this is happening to me. And this is Bawa, and I want to be either I want to have this continue to happen to me, this is good, or I don't want to have this happen to me. So the, the current can flow either way, but it's all about me. Life is about me and how I'm going to be. Um, and karma is the uh, flood into the sense realm. We seem to believe we belong here in this. this uh, presentation the consciousness makes like you know the theater when <laughs> you land in the theater and you think you are hamlet or lady macbeth or whatever because <laughs> that you know we're in the theater of the senses so we assume we are a sense creature um, um, ditti views we adopt views about things dogmas, views, rights, wrongs. And you may think, well, this is all natural, isn't it? It is natural, but this is all conditioned. In that, you know, you never really finally become anything. You're always in the process of about to be. You know, you're ongoing. And so you're, you take a photograph any moment in your life. You're, you have been something and you're about to be something next, right? And you can see that just as soon as any moment you're about to do something else. You ring the bell and you're about to. You're about to go to the next thing. Isn't that, isn't that normal? So if you're about to, what are you? You're about to be something, what are you now? 
what you are now is an about to be <laughs> wishing to be or dreading being and having been so you're having been and you're about to be what are you now but because this is so continual the question seems foolish I'm I am, you know, I am some characteristic. I'm a man. That's what I am, a man. And well, what about the pain? Is that a man pain or is it a female pain? What about the joy? Is that male? You know, all kinds of characteristics don't fit into that model. You know, so we never, our chitta, our experiences never fully comprehended or fathomed by these identities that, that are never even fixed anyway. They get fixed through fixation. You know, we become a fixed identity because we work at it. Get things nailed down as best we can. You know, get the, whatever it is, the ownership, the job, the relationship nailed down. That's what I am. But then it starts to crack up and we feel incredibly distraught. Because we weren't able to nail things down as mine and me. This is why essentially we're not trying to wipe people out. We're just trying to stop suffering. And these floods are very convincing, seem very natural. Everybody's following, but every, they lead to suffering and stress. Because they're actually all based upon an imbalance of the chitta. One of the ways in which we nail ourselves down, nail things down, is through views. I'm a liberal, I'm a democrat, I'm a catholic, I'm a, I believe in this, I think this is wrong, this is right, this kind of thing. You get pretty, pretty fixated on that. And there isn't a view that comprehends life, apart from that it comes and goes. Is it good? Is it bad? Well, some of it's good, some of it's bad. Is it right? Wrong? Well, some of it's right, some of it's wrong, some of it's, you know, is it from God? Well, maybe, but which one? Uh, is there no God? Well, how did we get here? <laughs> you know, you, what can you affirm ultimately? What can you dismiss ultimately? Eventually, just end with a big, don't know. But uh, I do know that. Uh, Forming a fixed view, you to find yourself in conflict. And how much of that is, is the need to have a fixed view? We know that clinging to views generates suffering and stress. Find out for yourself. These are the floods and the asawa, and uh, you know, maintain stable open presence. And even that, don't make a view out of it. It's a direct place where the floods wash over and the place where you know they, they can be terminated. So a couple of other topics. One, aging and death. How to prepare for that. It's good to prepare for it every day. Since we are aging and terminal, it's just who knows when the final step will occur. 
that uh, you may, when you're at 70 or 80, you might think, yeah, this is getting, this is not just a rehearsal, this is the real business. Um, so you just keep it in mind, and your chitta will tell you how to repair it, so you don't bother with that. Um, gather yourself into into the, the beauty, gather yourself into the harvest, gather yourself into the truth. Keep working on that, you leave the world behind. It doesn't get finished. It doesn't get finished. Um, you have to make peace with that. And just feel you've done your your you've showed up in your life. You showed up. You know, you met things, you presented things, you brought forth things. Um, of course course you wish it could have been more of course but you showed up and you did things and the world is ongoing and it leaves you behind so um, you know, there's a certain leave-taking to prepare for and it's, it's sad but it's also contented it's, she showed up. Someone asking, taking thoughts seriously, you posited the answer to the question, what is bothering me? So, say one is thinking a lot, and I'm saying, well, why don't you ask the question, what's really bothering me? Which might lead to the realisation that maybe it doesn't matter that much. I don't know about that. It all, it all matters. It's just um, you don't find that there's the answer in the thought. So you try to investigate the emotion and find out what is occurring and meditate around that. The questioner says, What if it does matter? You know, I'm thinking of something, it really does matter to me. For example, such as creating immediate harm or cruelty to another being, or something that violates one's own values. For example, when a group or an organisation one belongs to engages in harmful or unethical choices, when and how to speak up, and when to refrain from speech and actions. Well, you know, with ethical orientation, it's important to maintain your ethical orientation, your sense of conscience and concern, compassion and goodwill. That's definitely necessary. Um, But action is always, you have to negotiate it, mediate it, because, uh, um, you know, the, the details you've got to look at each situation, where's the opening? Uh, now, for a start, you don't really belong to an organisation. I mean, in some ways, I belong to this, this country, 
and many things about the way this country's run I find I don't agree with it irritates me I feel deeply disappointed by it it could be worse but it you know it could be better than this shortly but here I am I suppose I'm enrolled in it since I've got a passport and I've got citizenship what do we do about it well, in one way, you know, my my enlisting in this was not a conscious decision. I just happened to get born here. They didn't ask me whether I wanted to belong to it or not. I just got landed here. And um, I don't really finally belong to this place or this, or this government or this, this set up. Yeah. But what do I belong to? I belong to... Dhamma, you know, and to being with people who I feel affinities with, because that's that's where it happens. The rest of it, I feel like a misfit. Um, but uh, within that situation, one certainly finds the openings to address ethical concern, uh, and obviously as a teacher that's I'm doing that a lot of the time expressing ethical concern and probably a certain percentage of people listen to it and a large percentage don't um, doesn't stop me speaking up but it also does I don't get frustrated because you know or annoyed by it you know you do your bit and you speak your bit and uh, you know the ones who listen to you are the ones you belong to and that's how it works always try to address the good in others sometimes it's a little difficult to see at first in some situations but you know the non-harm they're doing you can try to look at that so you're not looking through the eyes of ill will you're looking through the eyes of compassion right? people who are acting in ways that for their own harm and the harm of others um, that's that's the buddhist approach on that the tonality of your voice is up to you uh, but you know it's depending on the other people can hear or listen to it uh, and so certainly you know one could say well I didn't change didn't make it change anything but I was able to speak my truth I feel I've you know I feel clear I said what I felt I wanted to say and maybe somebody heard a bit maybe a few people picked it up maybe there's a, a little bit of difference sometimes I think in this life you get to push human development along one millimeter or two <laughs> just pushing it along a little bit but then you know if a million of us push it along in various ways and there are then you get development but as always this this is always this karma and there's a lot of ignorance and becoming and craving and greed and confusion and loss of imbalance in in the world and in organizations they often accumulate power um, and they are run by people who are able to who like power or you know so these are very these are tricky situations you to 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 handle 
uh, one must maintain one's stability and openness and integrity and maintain equanimity. That would be my advice. Well, yeah, well, there's a lot on self and others, you know, apologizing, regrets, problems with family members. Um, it's, you know, it's. Family is a particularly poignant experience because in some ways we are really, really bonded. You know, same genes, same flesh, same upbringing. In other respects, we can be completely different, different jitters, very little karmic overlap. Mm. You know, so you can find, you know, your sister or your cousin or your aunt, you just, no way in. Um, um, and that's, that's dukkha. Uh, and by and large, you, you know, you present yourself as best you can and maintain goodwill, openness, stability, and um, people pick up what, what they'll pick up. And sometimes it's a slow process. And sometimes you realize this person, although you know, technically they're related to me in some ways. They're not. We all have to live our own life and our own death. There's no family then. But there's the there's, there's jitta, karma, that's what we belong to. The rest we try to meet with compassion and clarity and integrity. Let's stop for now. Thank you.